your kids, your grandkids, they're all going to be broke. It doesn't even matter if you're rich. How do we fix this? It's Brian Preston, the money guy. Restoring order to your financial chaos. Retirement, investing, taxes. You've got financial questions. He's got financial answers. It's Brian Preston, the money guy. Bo, I know there's a little shock and awe there. A little bit, yep. But it's true. I mean, the statistics. If you are a person watching the Money Guy show, mm-hmm. you're good with money. That's odds are you. That, that is that an clamp, easy that assumption. That's a given. You know, if you're following geometry and you have to do that whole given, you know, stated mm-hmm. things. Yep. If you were watching this show, you're successful. And unfortunately, listen to these two stats. 70% of rich families lose their wealth by second generation. I'm going to reframe that in Bo Hansen words. 70% of wealthy people's kids spend all their money. Exactly. All right. Here's another one. 70% of family-owned businesses fail or sold before the second generation. So I'm going, to, I'm going to say that in Bo Hansen's. 70% of folks who build up these amazing businesses to hand off to their kids. The kids blow it. The kids blow it. Guys, that's, this that's is heartbreaking. Good. And here's another one. Because while we're throwing out stats, let me give you the other side. 80%, if it depends upon if you look at the millionaire next door, is 80%. The next millionaire next door, that's Sarah, Dr. Stanley's daughter, right. just came out with that book in the last year. Her number is 86%. 80% under Dr. Thomas Stanley. 80, uh, 80% and then 86 6%. under Sarah. And I think Dave Ramsey even has a new book with Chris Hogan yep. where their number is around 80% of millionaires are first generation. Meaning they did not actually get anything from their parents. So wealth is being created predominantly 80% of the time by people who don't come for money, who right. are making it despite what the public tells you. First of all, there's the first thing to get your head in check about is because I was reading... Some of our comments or something, and somebody was talking about how all wealthy people are born into it. And I was like, Eh, you do not know the numbers. So if we have 80% of people who are wealthy are self-made, and then we find out that 70% of wealthy generations are poor Mm -hmm. after the second and third generation get through it. This is what we call the wealth wash cycle. I made that up. Actually, you like that? I really like that. That's I, I, surely you got that from somewhere. I, I thought I made it up. I mean, yeah, we could go check That's it. Pretty good. We could Google it. Somebody's probably quickly right now trademarking it because it's so daggum good. But it is such a true statement that we make it, and then second and third generation blow it. So while your kids are daydreaming on how they're going to spend. Your money, you might as well see if you can break that cycle. So that's what we're going to do today. We want to kind of tell you guys exactly what you can do to help hopefully set up the next generations for success so they don't fall into this trap. I or want an actionable plan on how it. we avoid this. So let's talk about Let's just jump into this thing. Step one, the first thing, you got to open up lines of communication. Yep. Stop avoiding the money talk with family members. Yeah, we see this one all the time, and we see it in a number of different ways. But it's important. You know, we all know that money is sort of a taboo subject. Yep. Uh, a lot of times, parents, for whatever reason, don't want their kids to know either how well off they are or maybe it's the converse. They don't want them to know how not well off they are. And we see that all the time. And all that really does is create difficult times that are going to rear their head. It's just a matter of if it happens now or at some time later. 
Yeah, and I mean, I just had this conversation with a client today on a mm-hmm. call, is that we're worried about her mother. So I gave a whole laundry list of homework, of things I needed to know so we could give them good advice. Yep. So this communication needs to go down if you're the parents, up if you're the children, That's if right. you're the adult children. So start that. And then talk early and often. Start having these discussions before you hit crisis mode. Yeah. When you're in crisis mode, everything is just intensified. Mm-hmm. Plus, you, you, you have this element of emotion that kind of takes over versus if you pre-plan and let this thing be part of a bigger discussion that you've already started. You know, a really easy way to think about that is all the time we talk about, you know, and it's it's not, you know, this is just a fact of life that as we age, there's some cognitive decline. Yeah. Things, it's harder for us to remember, remember things. It's harder for us to think through things. If you wait until those types of lifestyle changes begin happening, it's really, really hard if you are the child to talk to your parent. And if you're the parent, it's hard to talk to the child. So you just want to do it before you get there. Before I talk about step two, I do want to say, I've already kind of hinted at this, but I think it's worth repeating, is that there's a good chance if you're successful, your children and your grandchildren are already daydreaming. Not that they, not in an evil, you know, holding their finger push, next push them to them. You know, it's not an evil thing, but they are definitely thinking about what's going to happen to your wealth mm-hmm. over the years. It'd be nice if their expectations tied into your full plan. Yep, that's right. So let's move on to step two. Let's disrupt the behavior that creates failure. This is the timeline of, of things you can be doing all through the different stages of life so that you don't even have to worry about it being a matter of having a discussion and a passing on and just hoping for the best. Let's talk about what are these affirming behaviors you can do sure. all through the ages. So it doesn't matter if you have young kids, if you have you know high school kids, if you have college kids, if you have adult children, all these things can be done at any point in the stage of your life. So let's kind of jump into this. Let's start at the beginning. Kids under 18. Yep. If you got kids who are under 18, you can help them understand the basics of how money works. What do you need to be doing so that you kind of have these building blocks of knowing what creates success? They already have a leg up is that if they have successful parents... That, that should translate into some skill set. It yep. doesn't always seem to work that way. And I think, you know, what I love about talking to kids early and often about finances is, you know, it's okay for a 14 or 15-year-old to not understand what a checkbook is or what a savings account or how it works or how to manage all of those things. It's really difficult for that 18 or 19-year-old going off to college or that 22, 23-year-old starting their first job to have to admit, I don't know how this stuff works. How do I pay a bill? How do I balance a checkbook? Those are things that it's just much better if you can teach your kids how to do that early on than having them figure it out later on. So the first thing, let's get them some skin in the game. If you want to change their behavior, let's let them actually experience what it's like to have money in their name. So I always offer, tell I tell people, and I do this for my own, I have a, a high school child, we, do, we offer a match strategy. Just like your employer is offering you a match on your retirement savings contributions, I offer a match. If you're a child of Brian Preston, you get a match for money you save and invest. That's awesome. And because what I'm trying to do is build upon the understanding of how important it is to have the army of dollar bills. The next thing is get them excited about what that means. 
I know I originally did a show for my 14-year-old. She's now a 15-year-old. But this was so, was so powerful. You guys know a 20-year-old that invests $1 when they're 20 years of age and they and let it work until they're age 65 and they assume that this money is you know working on a monthly basis mm-hmm. and you're assuming annual rate of return of like 10%. Right. Now, I know that's aggressive, but we got but a 20-year-old. Yeah. You can be very aggressive and think about like the S&P 500 or some very aggressive index that's out there. And what that $1 for a 20-year-old eventually turns into $88. That's right. But for a 14-year-old, that $1 has the potential of turning into $161 by the time they're 65. That's So, you know, 88 is powerful enough when you think about that. Just starting to save at 14 versus 20 You've doubles six years of compounding how powerful interest. that money is. An 18-year-old, that number is still $107. That's unbelievable. Um, you know, so that's incredible if you think about that. I'm always talking about the 88 times over, just that two years for an 18-year-old versus a 20-year-old is worth $107 versus that $88. So it's important to let that army of dollar bills start working as early and often as possible. So compounding interest is definitely their friend. Um, Open a bank account and have discussions on credit cards before they leave the house and go to college. That's a huge one. You don't want them signing up for a credit card for a t-shirt or a bag of potato chips. You really don't. I mean, your credit is much more valuable than making that bad decision. And I, th- I think about this all the time, like why parents don't do this. Oh, no, no, I'm not, I'm not giving my 15 or 16-year-old a credit card. No way. They just, no, they're going to do something crazy. What do you think they're going to do when they're 18? It, yeah. It's either let them their, learn Their that peer now. pressure group is going to be, their, their social influence group is who's going to be giving the guidance. Right. And you don't know how their friends are going to look at money. You at least know how you right. process, and hopefully you can pass down that skill set. And then uh, speaking of passing down skill sets, I think one of the things, none of us becomes completely successful without the help of someone else. I feel like, you know, Bo, there are so many things. I can look back on my life and I can think about that first great boss. Mm -hmm. I can think about the first great client that took a chance on me and hired me. I can think about the fact that I hired a great employee that became a partner of mine. It's always, if you can pass down that gratitude and that gracious heart, and part of that is becoming charitable. There really is something to is more powerful to give than to receive so if you can start passing that into your children, I think so valuable. It, truthfully, it will help them also with success because people who have a gracious and gratitude heart, felt heart, mm-hmm. I think they'd say thank you. And people want to see those people yep. succeed. So start early and often on getting those kids to understand the value of charity. You know, I think another thing, Brian, that, that I've seen you do with your girls, and I think it's just absolutely beautiful, is you play what I like to call the skin in the game game. Mm-hmm. You tell your kids if there are things that they want, like your 15-year-old who probably in the next year is going to want to be driving around instead of having pops drive her around, she's got to have some skin in the game. She's got to be saving up money if she wants to buy that first car. That's exactly I've heard you right. say before, if there are trips that the kids want to go on or they want to go do some activity, they have to have some skin in the game. That is a fantastic way to teach yeah. your kids the value of saving and deferred gratification. It's the difference between other people's money and your money. That's right. You want to let them understand the value of their money as soon as possible. Let's talk about kids that graduate college. How do we plant that seed of financial knowledge by sharing wealth resources? You know, I've already talked about 88 times over. You know, this is your kids when they graduate college. You got to once again get the power of compounding interest, the power of your army of dollar bills. Every dollar needs to have a plan. You need to be a field general that's doing really incredible things. But I also like, especially if your kids have graduated college, 
they're probably curious about life and you mm-hmm. can give them some legs up by giving them some inspirational books to oh, learn yeah. good financial management. Everybody who listens to the Money Guy Show knows I love The Wealthy Barber. Yep. I love The Richest Man in Babylon, Millionaire Next Door. And then this is a new one I've added because we're going to have him on the show soon. Right. And I've always been a fan of his. Matter of fact, he's part of the inspiration of how I even started broadcasting over 13 years ago is How to Think About Money by Jonathan Clements. Yep. I think that he, I used to read his stuff weekly in the Wall Street Journal. He now has, you know, brought a lot of that common sense, good money management. So it's something definitely to go look into. And we're going to have him right here on the Money Guy Show. Yeah. Another great thing about sharing books and other voices with your kids is sometimes our kids don't listen to us. Sometimes yeah. we can tell them things over and over and over and over again. It just doesn't sink in. You may be amazed that you show them the millionaire next door and let them read about other millionaires. Yeah. And it's not saying anything that you haven't told them for their entire life, but for some reason something clicks it gets and absorbed. it changes the behavior. It's a beautiful thing to watch. Um, if you do have, because it, it happens, you know, if you have an adult child, you've got them educated, all indicators are that they should be out on their own, but they're back in the house. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, no judgment there, but it is one of those things you might want to consider getting them to pay rent or at least do something that adds to the household financial yep. situation. So so I'll leave it at that. I want to talk about the next life stage and timeline that you can kind of give a positive influence on for good financial mm-hmm. management and breaking the cycle of bad decisions is marriage of your children. Yeah, may- maybe one of the... Uh biggest things that will impact the financial well-being of someone over the long term is the decision to get married and who you marry, because it matters. First, I mean, and this is going to be a little uncomfortable, but Uh you need to be honest. Uh Um, If you have done, if you've set up like savings accounts for your children, like a custodial account, Mm -hmm. and now they're an adult and it's become their account, or if you've set up some money maybe to help out with some of those big first-time purchases, Mm -hmm. because those things happen. We have clients that they're, they're doing those type of things. You do need to have a conversation with your children that explains, hey, keep those accounts in individual name only. Once oh, so you, don't commingle them with your Once spouse. they're commingled under the eyes of the law, it's now, you know, and, and unfortunately, things don't always work. And I always tell people, you know, it's just better if, you, if the children know what you kind of, you don't want to put strings on stuff completely, sure. but you do want to make them have a full understanding of how the real world and the legal system works with those assets. And look, I get that that can be an uncomfortable conversation, but realistically, it shouldn't be uncomfortable because what you're telling them is, look, honey, sweetheart, mm-hmm. you're marrying this this man, this woman, and you're going to spend the rest of your lives together. And so it's never going to matter that these assets stayed separate. So if everything goes the way that you just know that you're certain it's going to go, it's not going to matter if the assets are separate. So it sure. shouldn't be a complicated, difficult conversation. I'm going to come back. I have another suggestion that's in part of step three for the the brand new married couple, Mm -hmm. but it really fits in more into step three than it does step two. So I'm going to leave that little bit of a teaser to come back to. I want to talk about what do you do when you get new estate documents drafted? You know, that is a common thing. We just had a new um, tax law that went into effect in 2018. It's changed how estate taxes are calculated. So there's a chance you might even have to go get new estate documents right. done for your family. While that ink is fresh, you know, or, or drying, yeah. and, it, and the knowledge is fresh. Maybe that's probably a better way of putting ink it. Ink is dry, knowledge ink is fresh. Ink is drying, and the knowledge is fresh in your head. Consider having a family meeting. Yep. I mean, it's much better to do that stuff on the front end. Yeah, and I, th- I think what's so important is if you do get your estate documents updated, 
I think it's important that you let your family know about that, but we see this all the time. Make sure that your family knows where the most recent, most updated documents are. Unfortunately, we've had situations where clients or parents of clients or family members of clients have passed away, and they said, hey, yeah, we found a will, but it was dated from 1997, and I know they said they did it, but we haven't found the new one. It just gets really, really confusing. So if you do have documents, make sure that you keep a clean system. You don't have a bunch of old wills, old estate documents floating out there. Death is obviously a, a scary thing. It's kind of a morbid thing to talk mm-hmm. about, but and disability, because some of these you have healthcare directives sure. and other things. Turn it into a positive event. Yep. Figure out if you can do this over a nice meal, or maybe you do this before the nice meal. Yeah. You know, you have a sit down with the family and then you go do something really positive and affirming yep. and building memories afterwards. And then the last thing, I just had a friend who asked me, this is probably less than a month ago. He goes, Hey, I'm going to meet with the attorney, creating some trust within the family. You have any advice? I gave, this is simple, but this is, this is so simple and common sense that you'd be surprised at how often it gets lost. Keep it somewhat simple. Do oh, avoid yeah. complexity as much as possible because we all know at some point we're probably passing, we are passing yep. away. There, there's no way to avoid that. And you don't want to create a sense of resentment mm-hmm. if you've created some complexity that, first of all, is going to require. Um, an intimate relationship with attorneys and accountants mm-hmm. and for no need. I mean, we see this all the time with things that carry on with a tell for 20 years, 25 years, yep. and you go, wow, it just doesn't make sense. You know, they had it this complex. Right. So pay attention. Now, that doesn't mean you get away from all complexity, but make sure the situation warrants Well, it. I think everything should be made as simple as possible, but no simpler. That's not my quote. That's actually a famous um, quote. And this one, this last one is not about estate documents, but it kind of is in the fact that I wanted to state that be careful because a lot of times when you meet with attorneys and financial advisors, and, and I even do this with myself, is that you'll put age restrictions in your estate documents, mm-hmm. and that's perfectly fine. But you also need to make sure there's some education going in with those age restrictions that you're putting on trust and other things right. because there's a lot of 40, 50, and 60-year-olds out there that are not responsible. Yeah. So age does not always translate into maturity there's or a financial lot of, knowledge. It goes the other way, too. There's a lot of 25, 30, 35-year-olds out there that are very responsible, and maybe it doesn't make sense to put handcuffs on that. So make sure your estate documents and your wishes do reflect the, resp- the the kind of the person, the individualized personalities of your loved ones. And it changes over time. So make sure that that estate document that you had and that plan you had when your kids were 17 years old, it might need to look a little different when your kids are 37 years old. It's just yep. a different stage of life. So that brings me to my final step. Step three. It's only what a three-step can- thing. Yeah, That's nice so how easy. do you break the cycle And this is kind of the trifecta of how you break that cycle of having wealth get washed in and washed Mm -hmm. out. Um, This is bringing an outside voice, bringing an expert. I happen to know two guys that, you know, we resemble this. And the fact that, and you said it best, Bo, you were talking about how sometimes a book, you know, or an outside person, you could tell your children something until you're blue in the face. You you know, truthfully, you can tell your spouse something you're blue in the face. You bring in an outside resource, all of a sudden it's all like this was newly discovered information. So bringing in that outside conduit to have a good, healthy discussion can be very healthy and also probably help save some feelings that that you might be worried about being bruised or or, or concerned about. So let's kind of go through this because this you could go back through that same timeline and there's actually some unique things that could be added by having a, a professional 
or somebody that can be a conduit to step in and talk to your family with you. And that's like with kids that are college age or younger, you even said maybe a high school kid. Yeah, yep. This is where you have those courtesy meetings if you're working with a financial advisor so that your financial advisor or somebody who's giving influence to your what's going on in your financial life can talk to your children about career opportunities, mm-hmm. you know, those first savings opportunities. How do you pick out a mutual fund? How do you pick out stocks? How open enrollment the very first time. You know, I, I think one of the things I have some dear clients that I love working with and they're uh, the client's mother. So grandma gives the kids some money and they, you know, she, they got some gifts last year and they said, Hey, but I'd love for you to just meet with our kids and we don't want to be there. We don't even know what you talk about. Just meet with them. Tell them what they ought to do with this money. Talk to them about it, what it can do and what it can turn into. And it was amazing sitting down with high school age kids, talking to them about compounding interest, talking about how the stock market works, and even picking some investments that made sense. It was awesome seeing the lights going. And now the kids stay in touch with me. Yeah. Hey, how the hell is this doing? Hey, what's it? And it's just, it's really awesome to see them start to get excited. Those kids, when they get to college and even beyond, they're going to be way ahead of their peers just in that knowledge This base. isn't in the show notes, but I talk about it. There's an addiction in America that there are no support groups for. And it's the addiction to saving. That's right. And building financial independence. I mean, you can get support groups for if you like to eat too much, if you gamble too mm-hmm. much, if you're, there's all kind of behaviors you can get addicted to that there's going to be somebody that helps you get through that, that hiccup. That's right. When you start the habit of saving early and you recognize that army of dollar bills, how powerful it is when it's working for you, you get addicted to it, and it, but it's a positive thing. You become an empire builder, that's right. and that's why you don't see support groups for it. Usually you see a lot of people that are jealous of it or trying yeah. to be there. So if you can encourage those behaviors at a young age, that's pretty powerful stuff. Yep. And that, that leads to you kind of alluded to this, but I just want to come back to it. Think about you have a client, and they have an, a, a child that's now crossed into that threshold of adulthood. They have their first real job mm-hmm. where they get retirement plans. Yep. They get employer benefits. Yep. What if they could have a tour guide to walk them through? I bet you didn't. Have, I know I didn't have that. Yep. I've shared with you guys my first investments out there in the financial world. Not a good choice. Sure. So it'd be nice if they could have a tour guide to help foster that healthy relationship sure. with the way they look at money with the, those first choices that they're making. Because unfortunately, and this is why it's great if you have an advisor relationship that really works well for you, a lot of the folks that are willing to talk to 18, 19, 20, 21 year olds aren't the ones who have their best interest at heart. They That's might true. have something that they want to true. sell to them or they might have something that they want to take advantage of them. If you have a trusted advisor relationship, it's a great idea to bring them in to talk to your kids because you know that you can remove some of the risk that your kids might be experiencing otherwise. Next life event that you could probably bring somebody in to help the kids out when they get married. You know how oh, I talked yeah. about it? Remember how I yep. put that teaser out there? That's right. Think about if you could have somebody help out with credit cards, mm-hmm. that first house guidance because... The mortgage brokers, the real estate agents, they want you to buy big. And, you know, and sometimes it gets stretched where your house rich, life poor. Right. It'd be nice if they had somebody who was in your corner about those things. Cash reserves. Yep. I mean, just how do you make the right decision on where how much money? How Order much? of operations of your personal finances. Building those initial retirement assets because yep. of the power of compounding interest. There's even potential, and we've talked about this. Maybe if you could give a course yeah, to that newlywed great. couple of making good financial decisions at a young age. 
that's something I know we've thrown uh-huh. around, and don't be surprised if something like that doesn't show up at some point, but it's still in development as we yep. speak. And then remember when we talked about sharing those new estate documents? You know, the ink mm-hmm. is still drying, and, you know, it's fresh knowledge. How cool would it be since it's already a difficult discussion? If you could have somebody who can navigate those things, whether it's the attorney who drafted it or your financial advisor, that could definitely help you out through that tough situation. That's exactly right. I want to close it. This is the big thing. You've heard the stat. I'll say it again because I think it's worth repeating, and I know that modern media does a horrible job of educating people on the truth of this. 80% of your millionaires out there are self-made in their first generation. Now, I always that word self-made sounds their derogatory. first generation. Their first generation, because it doesn't mean that they didn't get help sure. from a great boss, a mentor, something yeah. like that. I don't like the word self-made, but I will tell you, it means that they are the first generation right. to reach millionaire status. It's not because the majority of your millionaire, millionaires are not because they inherited. That's it. right. The sad cycles I've shared with you: seventy percent blow that money. By second generation. 70% of small businesses blow it by that second generation. That stuff, let's just end this wealth wash cycle we have. You've worked way too hard on building this and having these successful habits. Why not use this three-step process and just go beyond common sense and make sure that your children and your grandchildren are building a legacy that works just as hard as you did building those assets? I think that's perfect. I think if, if you don't have this conversation now, whether it be with your parents or with your kids, you might not have a chance to. So start now, have the conversation, and try to get in that 20% that isn't first generation. Because I yeah. think that's awesome. You know, if I leave a bunch of money to my kids one day, I hope that they're able to do something really incredible with it. And they're not going to be another statistic. You get to control that conversation. You get to control that outcome. One of the things, this just hit me. This isn't even in the show notes. We have a lot of money guy family members that are successful, mm-hmm. but they also, they've kind of broken the trend. They even have successful parents, or maybe they're, the, the money guy family member is aspirationally building the right habits, mm-hmm. but they have a, a family member that they know that just needs some additional help. You'd be surprised at how many people have come to us that their parents aren't up on technology. They don't do podcasts. They don't do YouTube. They still bring them to us because they know that we're going to try to with this whole abundance cycle where we're trying to do the right things. So feel free to reach out to us. You know, yeah. we're always looking to take the relationship to the next level. Our whole thing or the way we have built the Money Guy Show and why it's been successful is we just give it away. We totally invest in you. We give you this free advice, free information with the thought that you're going to keep growing, you're going to keep being successful. But at some point, you're going to get to the level of success. You just don't know what you don't know, and you're worried about blowing it with a big decision that goes wrong. So you feel like you need to bring an outside source in to talk to you. I want you to know that could be the Money Guy team the Abound Wealth team. Go check us out, moneyguy.com, aboundwealth.com. Go to the Contact Us page. Reach out to us. And then, by the way, if you're still in that aspirational side, go to moneyguy.com and just give us your email address. We have great content coming out. Also, go to YouTube and subscribe. And we just we love this. We're energized by you guys always following us and always being so vocal with sharing your ideas. We're going to continue to create great content and be a part of your financial success. The Money Guy podcast is hosted by Brian Preston. Brian Preston is a principal with Abound Wealth Management. 
Abound Wealth Management is a registered investment advisory firm regulated by the Security and Exchange Commission in accordance and compliance with the securities laws and regulations. Abound Wealth Management does not render or offer to render personalized investment or tax advice through the Money Guy podcast. The information provided is for informational purposes only and does not constitute financial, tax, investment or legal advice. (laughs) 